0: Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grace Church Members Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rivers, and today we are providing a conversation about abiding. What does the Bible say about this? What does it look like to abide? How do we abide? About 18 months ago, we started this podcast to talk about discipleship issues in the life of Grace Church and then focus on how we could grow our devotion to God and others. So another way to think about this is, are our ministry efforts fruitful applications of our abiding love for God? We do a lot of great stuff at Grace Church, amazing things. But the question is, are we producing fruit? So, I'm in the room with Scott Mazengo and Whitney Manis to unpack this idea. Welcome, guys. Hey, Chris. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Whitney, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you started thinking about this idea of abiding?
1: Yeah. Um, so, a little bit about me. Um, I've been on staff for about three and a half years, um, working with our video team as project team manager. And it's just been... My privilege, really, to hear stories of just how God is loving um, and transforming his people. It's been a huge blessing in my life. I grew up in Rock Hill, South Carolina, came to Greenville to uh, go to Furman University, majored in Spanish and communications. Um, (laughs) And now I am also just leading a group of sophomore girls in Forge. And I am also in my mid-20s, so it's kind of this interesting vantage point to observe like my generation and their generation, mm-hmm. there's a 10 year gap there. So just seeing what we're all thinking about. As far as how I got to start thinking about abiding about, I guess I'd say a year and a half ago, um, I found myself doing a lot of really great things. I think a lot of biblical things. And I felt like I was doing everything that I was supposed to do, you know, whatever that means. Sure. Um, but I was still really just bitter and unhappy all the time. Um, And so that's when it's time for a soul diagnostic. Um, And so I did Regen and realized that I was working really hard to produce um, fruit in my life um, and do all of the quote unquote right things. But I think I was just really operating kind of through my own effort. Um, And ironically wasn't really including God in that at all. So I would say, like, there was this disparity between my obedience and my love for God. So I think I was obeying God to gain his approval instead of obeying because I already had it. And then I think, yeah, just through my job, getting to meet a lot of our people, I've seen some of those same things coming up and in my small group girls as well. Um, So it's just kind of across the board, like, there's this disconnect. But then over, you know, since then, um, I think there have just been so many little pieces that have started falling into place for me. So region, just being in scripture, um, teaching we've done, Mm -hmm. books that I've read, conversations I've had. I mean, even the self-made podcast Mm -hmm. y'all did with Schofield and Haley was uh, super helpful. It was awesome. And it really all culminated in the teaching that we did on John 15 Mm -hmm. um, and presented this idea of abiding And it was so compelling to me um, because the whole focus is I'm in Christ and he is in me. And that's how the fruit gets produced in my life. So I'm not the one that's producing fruit. I'm remaining, I'm abiding, I'm loving Jesus, and then he produces fruit in me. So I'm still very much like Mm -hmm. in the middle of thinking about all of these things and understanding what that looks like in my life. And I've got a lot of thoughts, um, but honestly, I'm excited to learn more as we mm. talk through it now.
2: I love the the phrase soul diagnostic. I feel like the book of John has done that, has been that soul diagnostic for our entire church. And we were looking at John 15, and also we, we have a song. I really like it. It's, an, it's a newer song, I think, of from this past year called Teach Me to Abide. Mm. Even that phrase, you know, teach me to, uh, reminds us that it's something that we have to be are conscious of and not just just assume, not something that just comes naturally, um, because we can kind of skip over that idea and 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 run to the fruit. And so when you go back and you look at John fifteen, you know John fifteen five, you know it says those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And so like the imperative there is the remaining or the abiding. And, and the promise is if you do that, then fruit is going to be produced. And so I know like for me in my life, I, I, I read that and go, okay, remain in me and you'll produce fruit. And I'm like, all right, point me to the fruit. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And I'm going to chase and I'm going to pursue that fruit, you know, because I've gotten in my head that, you know, we're known by the fruit that we produce and that's how we are distinguished from the world. Whereas how we're really distinguished from the world is how we love God and love other people. And so it was, it was a really nice reminder um, a couple months back when we were going through this passage. And I think about the greater context. You know, you've got John 13 through 17 is Jesus' really last time with his disciples. Mm. And, you know, so he, he says, um, he begins 13 by saying, he knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and return to his father. And he's going to love them to the end, just like he's loved them all the way throughout his ministry. Mm. So, so Jesus is using this word love. And then, you know, I go, okay, he's got a pretty big plan for how this message of his life, death and resurrection is going to change the world. If I had the final hours with my 12, you know, what would I be talking about? You know, I, you, just, you just came from a, a big international church conference. You know, what kind of stuff were you guys talking about? Church planting. Yeah.
0: We were talking about strategy. We're strategy, talking about training pastors.
2: Evangelism, yeah. training pastors, you know, how to help a healthy church. You know, like he, I would be laying out my strategy. I'd want to make sure that everybody got it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he, he spent his time talking about the Holy Spirit. Mm. He talked about remaining in him. He was trying to explain that the betrayal and his death were important parts of the plan, of God's plan. And then he prays for him. I mean, I just think that's amazing. It's just so counterintuitive to, to the way that we uh, tend to think about things. And so John 15 is just a great place to kind of root this idea of what does it mean to remain or abide? And how does that propel us to... Um, fruitful obedience to, to Christ. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, if abiding is the big idea, and let's go with that interpretation, then what does the Bible teach us about abiding?
2: Yeah, so it's it's if we're doing just a little Bible study methods, if we just stick to observation, and in John 15, if you move down from verse 5 where he introduces the idea and look at 9 through 17, there are nine different times that he uses the word love. Mm-hmm. And, and he's basically, if, if I said in this podcast something nine times in a very short period of time, you'd be like, man, he thinks that's important. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I think it's as important as he does, but he really thinks it's important. So for whatever reason, Jesus thinks this is important. And so if we just follow the trail here, and he talks about that, if you love him, you obey his commandments and remain in his love. And then in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. And so again, nine different times. And you, so you begin to think, okay, well, so loving God means obeying God. Obeying God is a way that we show that we love him. Mm-hmm. And where else did Jesus talk about the commandments? You know, when the Pharisees were asking him which one was more important or not, which is a question that we often ask. Okay, what's really important? What, what, what do I have to do to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, how did he summarize it in Matthew 22? He's like, love God, heart, soul, mind, strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. And everything else gets summarized in these two things. So it just seems like love is a, is a pretty big deal. And I think almost like abiding, we tend to jump over it because we're like, yeah, I, I got it. I know, I know what I'm doing. I know how to love. And then we just move on to different ministry applications. And so um, one of the interesting conversations that came out of, you know, John 15 for our church was, well, I, I'm just so busy. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I really want to be about the right things, but I have all this busyness in my life. I have all these things that I don't really know how to get out of. And, and I would say just a, a simple answer is try loving more, mm-hmm. you know, because love is something that you really can't do in a hurry. You really can't even do it on your own terms. If you're, if you're loving, well, love requires you to, to slow down. And so when you think about um, First Corinthians 13 is another, another place where we see love talked about a lot. And unfortunately, it's been co-opted as this like marriage uh, passage. And it's, a, it's the wedding passage, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, it's, it's not that at all. I mean, of course, it applies to marriage. But if you think about what it says there uh, about love, it says, love never gives up, love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And so love is patient and love is kind, never gives up. It's enduring. And you have this idea of love being the thing that slows you down, that breaks you out of your routine and forces you to depend on God so that you can do all of those things well. So it's really interesting how the idea of abiding and love are so consistently woven together here in John chapter 15.
1: I think that's really helpful for us. The question that comes to my mind, um, which I'm sure will come across as a very Gen Z question, is so what about when I don't feel love for Jesus or others? Because then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just force it. I'll fake it. I'll like do the obedience, you know, but maybe for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motives, but maybe that doesn't matter. So what would you say about all that?
2: Well, Whitney, you're closest to Gen Z in the room. What would you say to that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I think this passage in John 15, like you've said, like it is focused on love as the driver to obedience. How do you maintain a relationship over time, you right. know? And if I want to spend time with someone, um, like I have to create space for that. And in that process, like that's where love grows. Mm -hmm. So I think some of it is putting things in the right order of, okay, if I'm not feeling love, let me create some time for that relationship and invest in it. And then, um, with that time, like the emotions will come in all of that. Um,
2: yeah, I love what you said about putting things in the right order. Mm. If you go back to uh, John 15 again, in verse nine, it says, I have loved you even as the father had loved, has loved me. So, Jesus is wanting us to have the same kind of relationship with him that he has with the Father, which is just pretty awesome. No. And then uh, 1 John 4, 19, 1 John 4 talks a lot about love, but particularly four nineteen is simple because it says, we love because he first loved us. Mm. And so I think if you understand the order, if you really do, uh, and this is what we're going to continue to talk about to answer your question, if you really begin to understand God's love for you mm. it is very motivating, to take even the smallest step of love towards God and love towards others. And, and so part of what we have to do in order to remain or abide well is we have to immerse ourselves in how much God loves us. Mm-hmm. And I think that is sometimes a missing piece. If we feel like we have to perform or earn something or maintain something with God, we are really missing the piece of how much he loves us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No, it's good. There's so many passages where Paul reminds us to renew our mind in that way and to, you know, focus because <laughs> right. we forget because we forget how much he loves us. And then in the midst of our own brokenness and then what we're trying, we just fill the gap and, and we produce. Uh, and I think that's what we've been talking about. So let's unpack this idea. What does abiding look like for us?
2: Yeah, there's a, um, a book we'll put in the show notes. And the author's name is John Stark, and he uses this um, definition. It just talks about a long-term, unhurried togetherness with Christ. Let me say that again. A long-term, unhurried togetherness with Christ. And so really what it means is to just to slow down and to, to experience God in the stillness and in the silence. Um, because love is something that can't be rushed. I mean, you know that. Whitney was just talking about the relational... Uh, component of that, whether it's a family, a marriage, whatever, like you cannot rush love. Like I said, you can't do it on your own terms. And so I think that's one of the challenges, particularly in um, our technological age. I mean, social media gets dumped on a lot and there's plenty of bad things wrong with social media. But for me, it's not really social media. That's the issue. It's the fact that I have a phone that I can pick up at any time that can distract me in a hundred different ways from what's going on in this moment. Right. So if I, if I find myself caught or alone in my thoughts and they start to go places of introspection that are uncomfortable for me, then I can just, I can research something, I can check a score, I can play, play a game, I can mm-hmm. do a hundred different things yeah. that are just natural motivators for me to get out of the boredom and out of the mundane, mm-hmm. which sometimes I just need to stay there and to reside there and so um, that's one way to, to, to think about what abiding looks like. Uh, here's another great illustration, and we'll, um, we'll pull in some recent teaching from um, Schofield when he was talking about John 19. Mm. And so he was talking about Jesus uh, standing before um, Pilate and his accusers, and he remained silent. And it's like, I wouldn't have done that. Mm. I mean, like, I, if I know I'm innocent and I know I'm powerful, I'm definitely not remaining silent.
1: Yeah, you want justice.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every part of us, like we we, we read that story and we go, why is he not talking? No. Why is he not pleading this case? Is he just resigned? Is he um, indifferent? Like what's going on? But I think there's something deeper going on. Like I think part of his silence was that he did not have to be right before his accusers Yeah, because he was right before God. Mm-hmm. And so his silence really shows what he was trusting in, which he was trusting in the will of the father and him pleasing the father above all else. And he didn't have to demonstrate his own righteousness. And I think there's just such a, a great um, lesson for us because I'm so driven by human approval and praise that it can lead to a lot of anxiety and fear, which is a, a powerful motivator. I mean, you guys know, like if you feel a little bit anxious or fearful, I mean, you can you can produce to the ends of the earth. I mean, you can really get a lot done when you're um, afraid something bad's going to happen if you don't. Mm -hmm. And so, but like, that's not not what Jesus was doing. Like Jesus was not motivated by performance. He was not motivated by anxiety or fear. He was motivated by love of the Father, love of us, and trusting in the Father's will. Mm. And then you can go back and, and read it for yourself. But Isaiah 53 summarizes the prophecy where he was keeping his mouth shut, He opened not his mouth is what it says in Isaiah 53, 7, but it also shows the active part in Isaiah 53 of what he was doing. He was bearing our griefs. He was carrying our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He brought us peace and healed our wounds. So it's not like he was being passive. Yeah. Like his silence was active because it was really the way that he was loving us. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And even what struck me so much of those John passages there at the end where Jesus is just silent is... Like, yeah, I want him to talk and I want him to stand up for himself. And in some sense, I think that that's going to make him more powerful. But as we've talked about it and we've described it, I'm like, wow, it's actually really scary to have someone who is quiet, you know? And I think that that unsettles Pilate. He's like, why would you not speak to me? Like, I'm the one who has the power. And Jesus is like, oh, no, I have all the power here. And that's really intimidating, you know? And it's that old adage of like power does not have to represent itself because it's it's content and what yeah. it has, you know.
2: Yeah, the confidence that he has in that moment um, gives us, it should give us confidence. Mm-hmm. But, the, the, but one of the questions surrounding this discussion is how do we make the connections to the present benefits of Christ in our life? And I think Galatians 2.20 mm-hmm. is one of those verses, Chris, that um, it, it is not unfamiliar, but it's got such depth to it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain and really comprehend. So can you read that yeah, for us? Yeah, let me
0: read it. It says, Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
2: So I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I mean, I'm living. I feel like I'm living. I'm sitting here with you guys. I'm, I'm breathing. I'm eating. I'm going to go to sleep tonight. I hope I'm going to wake up tomorrow. But what it's really talking about here is this idea of a union with Christ, a union with Christ, which may be one of the most important doctrinal things, and we'll, we'll break that down hopefully maybe in a future episode. But the, the best way that I've um, read to describe this was actually in, in a book called Union with Christ by a pastor named Rankin, R-A-N-K-I-N, Wilborn. Again, we'll put all these in the show notes. But he, he tells this great story. He lives out in California, and he talks about a friend that— um, struggled with behavior modification, just like we all do, right? So do good things, people treat you well, they say good things about you, you know, good things happen. Do bad things, you have regrets, there's consequences. And so uh, it happened to be a girl who was always kind of modifying her behavior with whoever she was around, right? Much like we are trying to find our way. Well, she gets a job at Disneyland and um, she gets a job as Mickey Mouse. So she puts on this costume so she's completely hidden. So nobody, nobody knows who she is. But people respond to her every single day as Mickey Mouse with just all kinds of joy and love and acceptance. And it's just like, she's like, wow. And In her mind, she thought, okay, is this what it means to be in Christ? So if your life is hidden in Christ, then that really means that his life, it covers us. It covers our sin, it covers our shame, it covers our, our weaknesses, not in a fake way like where we're putting on a mask, but in a, in a very real way. And so we don't have to pretend, we don't have to pretend that we're better than we really are because Christ already knows and he's already died for all of our sins. He's already lived a perfect life that we couldn't, we couldn't live. Uh, and then because of that, because of the benefits and the blessings in Christ, and Ephesians 1 is one of the, one of the great passages that talks about the spiritual blessings. Uh, let me just read the quote that I found here in the book. So we don't have to pretend, but we also don't have to perform. We don't have to prove anything. So to be found in Christ means you don't have to prove yourself anymore. Your frantic attempts to find or craft an acceptable identity or your tireless work to manage your own reputation. These are over and done. You can rest You can rest in Christ. You don't have to be intimidated by anyone ever. Who are you? You're in Christ. And you no longer need to fear the judgment of God. When God looks at you, he sees you hidden in Christ. This is freedom. This is confidence. This is good, good news. And so if we're not pretending and we're not performing, if we are firmly in Christ as a a third way, I feel like that idea of um, abiding really helps us move forward to find the 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 fruitful production that God wants us to live as a as a meaningful disciple of his That's good,
1: man, that's really good. You know, I think the word that sticks out in all of that for me too is just this idea of proving like I think I felt that a lot in my life of man, I've just got something to prove, and I don't know where all right. of that comes from. um. But I think it's just played out in a few different ways and, you know, the difference is just the audience that I have, you know, so Hmm. I can prove to myself, which um, we're going to talk about, we're going to use the word optimize, um, you know, in this idea of I have to optimize myself. And while I was in region, that was one of my fears that came up is like, what happens if I don't reach my fullest potential is in that, life?
2: Is that the definition, best definition for optimizing, do you think?
1: I would say that's my definition. Yeah. Um, that's, what, that's what I'll, I'll use here. Yeah. Um, is like, it's just on me to reach my fullest potential in life or I've wasted it. Okay. You know, and it's operating out of, you know, God has given me gifts and talents and abilities, but now I have like this responsibility as if I have all this control to make my life great and to make myself great. So if I could be a CEO or I could write a book or I could start a nonprofit, like whatever that looks like, and I never did it and I got to the end of my life, then I'd be like, oh, I didn't do enough. Like I wasted my life. I missed my calling or purpose, like really spiritual elevated ideas, but you
2: didn't do enough for God.
1: Right. I mean, God gave me all this stuff and I wasted it. And there's some scriptural passages that, you know, um, we talk about that will add to that idea, but I think I've misused them and gotten some wrong ideas about what I'm actually capable of in my life. And then there's, I have to prove myself to other people, you know? So going back to this idea of performing, um, you know, we talk about fear of man, we talk about approval. Um, so I want to impress people. I want to have influence. Um, and so if I can impress the people in my life who I respect and I value and who have influence, then they will give me access to opportunities to earn respect, to have influence. And that's just my motivation and all of that. And it looks different for everybody. And then um I think I also feel this need to prove myself to God, which mm. you know, we have this idea of like, okay, we don't want to perform for the world. And so instead, let's perform for God. You know, you hear the phrase like audience of one, which in of itself is not a bad idea at all. But, but are,
2: are you proving that you're like worthy of his salvation, of his love for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that God has approval to give, God has favor. And in order for God to like me, like I have to do all of this stuff, you know, just some version of legalism, you know, but it's tricky because I mean, it shows up in a lot of good things. So I can do my quiet time. I work at a church, you know, gosh, that's a, it's a tough one to navigate serving, volunteering, leading an Azera group, even graduating from region, like all those different things. If I can do those, then God will love me. Or then you have the inverse of if I mess up or I say the wrong thing, I handle something at work poorly, I lose my temper, I miss a quiet time, then God loves me a little bit less and I have to make that up. And I know in my head, kind of like you were saying before, like I know that's not how the gospel works. I wouldn't say that to one right. of my small group girls or a friend of mine, right. but that's how I'm living my
2: life. Mm. So where do you think the disconnect comes from? You know, because we do, we, we want to over and again help people understand that God does not, can love you more than he loves you right now? Mm. Because when he sees you, he sees the life of Christ. And, but yet, is it because we, are, we just are, grow up in this world and we're we're born to perform from a from an early age. Is that what is that what you would say?
1: I think that's some of it. I mean, I think some of it is like I just have some ambition, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it just gets corrupted like everything else with sin. Um, yeah. And so I just feel like I have to launch myself into all these places. But even like you were saying before, Scott, like this idea of we are able to love if we understand how much God loves us. And despite having heard that for my entire life, God loves me and Jesus loves me, I don't know that I really mm. believed that until recently. And I don't know that I could even clarify for you, like, what is the difference between those two? But yeah, that idea, of like, God is already fully satisfied in me. He already approved of me, you know, even before I did anything to accept Christ, you know, even before, like even while I was still a sinner, like Jesus died for me, for my sins. And so like I have stepped into that, I've received that, but that's always been the option that's available that God held out for me because he wanted me. And if I can somehow weave that into the fabric of my life, then... You know, I think it's going to change all of those things.
2: Yeah, I I think I have a, yeah, that's true, but I still need to earn or maintain mentality. And the way that I think about it is, like I said, struggle with having those long, uninterrupted, quiet times when you're alone with your thoughts. So for me, that's really in the shower, right? Because I've showered Tens of thousands of times, I don't have to think about it. So <laughs> I'm in the shower, and it's typically, you know, pretty relaxing, and so your mind tends to wander. And so the uh, shower in the morning, so the thought that, that that leads down this trail is, is, am I okay? Yeah. I, I mean, another way of, of phrasing that is, am I enough? Mm-hmm. Or am I too much?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Am I where I thought I would be? Am I where I need to be? Am I where others are? think I should be. So those those are the thoughts that go go through your head. So then you have to find an answer to that question. Like that's an existential dilemma. Mm. And I think we all face it in some way every single day. Mm. May not be in the shower, maybe in the maybe at night, maybe, however, but for me, am I okay is the question. And there's really like three quick answers to that. The first is I can just distract myself with busy stuff. Mm. And I go, yeah, I mean, I'm okay because there's something fun happening today that I'm looking forward to and or my kids are doing these activities or um, things are going well at work or you know if I can just get through these two difficult meetings then I'll be okay after that or I'm going to get my afternoon coffee or you know for some people it's their glass of wine at the end of the night you know like they're okay if they can look forward to something and um, those are just distractions and I think that's one reason why our lives are so busy is we're distracting ourselves from having to really answer that question. Um, the second one is, is is a little more sinister. It's comparing yourself to other people to make yourself feel better. And we all know that's the quickest way to make yourself feel better is by putting someone else down. And so you go, well, at least I'm not like, you know, Chris. At least I'm not like Whitney. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really bad way of answering that question. But I mean, if we're honest, we, we do that from time to time. Mm-hmm. So distraction is the first and comparison is the second. And then I think that performance is really the third mm-hmm. Where, you know, we, can, we convince ourselves that we are okay because of what we're able to do, because of the, the output that we're able to, you know, perform. And again, like all those things are, are good things, but do they start with my relationship with God is secure, He loves me, I enjoy Him, and He enjoys me, mm-hmm. and therefore I can love Him and love others, and it's John 15, I, I remain in him, I obey his commandments because I love him and I love him by obeying His commandments. And if I can answer that question, well, yeah, I'm okay because I am I am chosen, I am free, my identity is secure. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, you know there's just all of these identity statements that I have to re- rehearse in my mind to kind of walk myself back from, distraction, comparison, and performance to go, yeah, no, I'm great. I'm great because because I'm in Christ.
1: And that's so stable. Like yes. what strikes me out of, you know, distracting its like, well, my schedule's always changing. I've always got different things going on. Some days are busier than others. I have good days and I have bad days. You know, comparing to others, like that standard's always changing. You know, other right. people are doing great or not so much. And I always have to keep up with somebody. And then performing is, you know, like if my identity is always based on how I'm perceived by others, well, that's always fluctuating too. Oh gosh, it's exhausting. All of those are exhausting, yeah. Yeah. And
2: And it's only as good as the moment because like you said, then a new person comes in and I got to start all over again or I have a good day, well, so what? I've got to wake up tomorrow, I got to do it all over again. And when we talk about getting on this treadmill, I feel like that's where I've lived a good part of my life And I just think that's the exact opposite of John 15.
1: So much security in John 15, you know, that it's like, I'm not doing, I'm remaining, I'm receiving, you know, God is doing. Yeah. And so I just am, and that's way better than (laughs) the treadmill. (laughs) I just am. I I love that. I just am.
0: Well, I, I love the picture of the Mickey Mouse suit. I mean, that's a really cool... I, mean, yeah. I just want to start waking up every day and be like, I am Mickey Mouse, you know, but we can't do that. Right,
2: that's right. right? I, I mean, that's well, the, you can say, I am in Christ. That's right, that's yeah, right. You can even do your hands like, like you right. just did. Right. I am in I am in Christ. So yeah, I think what you say is I am in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. Mm-hmm. So I am stable, I am safe, I am secure. And then also, it's, it's okay That I don't have to live like this outward life because who sees? Mm -hmm. God sees. Yeah.
0: I love it. And I and I think it was to me it's uh it's it's getting to this question about, you know, how does this play out in everyday life? But I mean, I think there is real work to be done. I mean, this is not I mean, Jesus worked real hard. I mean, even this morning. I read in John 19, the latter part of John 19, it's like the mission, it was accomplished. You know, yes. it's like, dude, you read that and you're like, man, he worked. He, didn't just, he didn't just like do a thing one day. You know? Right. He mm-hmm. just like worked. So I think there is real work and it is a mind. It is a part of our mind and our brain. Our brain is like an operating system, you know? And so it's like, we have to rethink uh, these. I mean, we're, li- we've all got the Bible on the table right now. And I think that's been helpful for me, but how does abiding play out in my, everyday life what does that look like
2: yeah let me just go back to what you said it really is like an operating system and some of you guys listening will remember the old mac and pc commercials and basically you're comparing two different operating systems and in some ways you know our world is training us like okay we're an apple family so we're gonna go pc Our, our world is training us to live life on a pc And everything that we are um, doing and saying and thinking is filtered through that operating system and it's running all the time and it's running fast. And so in order to not just slow that down, but to stop it and then go in a different direction and be a different operating system. I mean, that's really, that's kind of really what we're talking about here. So I think I'll I'll just go back and just summarize. I think one idea is just learning how to love well, Mm. right? Love God, love others that long unhurried time of devotion and I think looking for ways and this is um, this episode's coming out close to Christmas so life can tend to both speed up and slow down at the same time because we're just out of rhythm of doing some of the normal work and activities but but looking for opportunities to spend with God in long quiet um, devotion times, just maybe even reflecting on some of the truths that we've talked about here. And then moving towards others on their terms, not on our terms. That's good. On their terms, not on our terms. I think that would be one one start to practice um, the, you know the nine times when John's talking about love in John fifteen.
1: Yeah, and I think another one um, you said it a minute ago is that idea of do I enjoy God. You know, and for me, I'm almost like, am I allowed to ask that question? Is that that an okay question? Um, But I think it is. And and further, like, do I believe that God really enjoys me and delights in me and is pleased with me? Um,
2: Because we we will say, uh, do I love God? Yes. Um, Do I fear God? Yes. But we don't often say, I really enjoy God.
1: Yeah, and... When I was in region, somewhere in that process, um, I think I was talking to God, I was working through the homework, and I was like, man, this entire relationship cannot be entirely based on you trying to fix me all the time. And I think God was like, yeah, what do you think I was doing? Um, you know, I think he, he agrees um, because true relationships include enjoying each other and enjoying things together, you know, and so I reached this point of, like, my relationship with God was unsustainable because it was just working all the time, and it's fighting, and you want this, and I want that, and, you know, we're having business meetings instead of, like, just enjoying each other, and that is something that can be sustained over time, you know, and I think we draw that from Matthew 3, so Jesus is being baptized and you know, the voice of God comes through the clouds and he says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Mm. And so there's this mutual enjoyment between the son and the father, you know, and you see that throughout scripture. You see that in John 15, um, you know, where Jesus is like, you abide in me and and remain in my love because I remain in the love of the father, you know? And so there is this mutual enjoyment between them. And so that's what, you know, we're looking for in our own relationship. And I mean, I think... There's a lot that goes along with that, but, you know, it's helped me realize like, okay, I'm not just suffering for Jesus until we die and get to heaven, you know, like with the resurrection, that's when new creation starts. And so my life now is going to include some enjoyment of that reality that's already begun. And some suffering with Jesus, because we're still in a broken world. Um, Like, both of those realities are ongoing with each other.
2: But it's not like you're having to give up all of the good things of life to get on board with Jesus' plan.
1: Right. You know, like, the gospel doesn't just end with, like, oh, through Jesus, God solved our sin problem, and so we're good. You know, again, that idea of, like, oh, God's just trying to fix me, and so now I'm fixed, and we're good, and we go to heaven, and we're done you know, the problem of our sin had to be overcome so that God could restore this relationship so that we could be able to abide. Like even in John 15, Jesus is talking about this idea of abiding. And in some sense, it's not truly possible until his death and resurrection. And then the Holy Spirit comes, you know, like that is the connection where we are able to abide, you know, and then we get to co-labor and co-create and cultivate with God and that's all. I think that's always been God's purpose. Is He wants to be with His people, like even throughout the Old Testament, He just wants to be with His people. And our sin has gotten in the way, so you got to get rid of the sin, so that we we have this option to choose life with Him. Um, and He doesn't really want my performative righteousness. Like He wants me.
2: Yeah, man, that's well said. Yeah. That's really well said. So, love and enjoyment, and I'll give you just a third one um, quickly: is is generosity. I mean, had to do it. You had to bring well, it up. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so key because Best. think about what remaining abiding means is it means dependence, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> we are so content um, and driven as a culture to have um, abundance without dependence. Like, I think God wants us to have abundance. Mm-hmm. You know, he came that we have a rich and satisfying life, abundant life, John 10, 10. That's just not a, that's not a prosperity gospel. That, that, that's in all these different areas that God, he, we, he wants us to enjoy all aspects of life, right? Oh. And when he's blessed us, we should enjoy all of those things. However, we don't want to have to depend on him. Mm-hmm. And so generosity, basically, Jesus says, I'm, I'm not choosing to um, serve my money. Mm. I'm going to let my money serve me. Because it comes from God, and I'm going to freely give it away and show that I'm not attached to it. So I actually do think that generosity is a way that we can learn and grow in our abiding love for God.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that God gives out of abundance. You know, God isn't just giving enough, you know, like he's overflowing. He's giving the extra because it's fun, because he can, you know, because he is enjoying us. You know, he's like, you know what would be so fun for me is to – watch you guys enjoy what I've given to you.
2: Well and that's what I mean grace is a gift. Yeah. And the name of our church is built on this idea of giving, of a gift. It, it, you can, it, the word synonymous in the Greek. And so sometimes you don't know if he's talking about money, if he's talking about a gift given to someone else, or if he's talking about God's grace. And so yeah, that's that's exactly exactly right. Um you have some thoughts on a fourth category, which is which is beauty or worship. Tell us a little bit yeah, about that.
1: And I mean it really you know, as a continuation of that idea of en- enjoying an abundance, um, you know, cultivating, co-creating with God. Um, and as we're recording this, you know, we just had Thanksgiving and um, Bill taught on gratitude and brought up Psalm 8. So it's, it's fresh on my mind. Um, but it just even talks about this idea of like, God has created the heavens and the skies and beautiful things. Like, you know, we've all, we've all been outside. We've all witnessed God's beautiful creation. Um, But then it goes on to talk about how we get to participate in that, you know, that God has made us to experience that, to, yeah, co-labor in what he has already made for us. He's made beautiful things and he, we are made in his image. And so he wants us to continue on that work. Um, As Bill put it, we're, we get to riff off, you know, um, God's creation, which is great. So um, a lot of the thoughts that I have on this have been, these are kind of my thoughts that I've mashed together from a few different people. um, And we'll put these resources in the notes as well. But you've got Art and Faith by Mako Fujimura, which has been an incredible resource for me. Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. And then The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Um, So they're all Lots of different ideas, Um, but I think this is what we put in opposition to those fears of boredom, of the mundane and ordinary, and all of those kinds of things. So here's a few examples. You've got this idea of abiding um, just in ordinary daily activities, so washing dishes, eating leftovers, driving to work, answering emails, sitting in meetings, doing chores, like all of those things that if our lives were a movie, we would just take them out. You know, they're not really part of the main script necessarily, but it's this idea that everything we do is worship and God wants to be in every space of our lives with us. Mm. And he is, you know, he is present. And so if he is, then everything that we're doing is just worship. It's gratitude. It's enjoying things and not over romanticizing sure, it, you yeah. know.
2: But if worship is a response, if that's what, mm-hmm. if we're responding to things that have worth in our life taking the small moments and recognizing that those are only possible because God has ordained it and God yeah. has given us the ability. That does drive us to worship, drives us to to give worth to those moments. I like that.
1: Yeah, and it's what we've been talking about, you know, that idea of Jesus being silent. And, I mean, that's one moment in the end of John, um, but you just have that throughout his entire life. Like his ministry didn't start till he was 30. And right. so you have Jesus for 30 years waking up, eating breakfast, (laughs) brushing his teeth, if that was a thing that they had back then, you know? And like, that's just what we're trying to mirror is like finding contentment in what is hidden and unseen by others, but that is seen and valued by God. And just like Jesus, like he almost went out of his way to not be performative, you know, like he's trying to get away from people. He's doing things in private. He's like, hey, disciples, y'all hang out. I'm going to go to a garden and pray for a little bit because I just got to be by myself. I got to have some stillness and some silence. And so it's almost, it's worshiping in obscurity because that's Mm -hmm. what the majority of our life is going to be. I mean, most of our life we spend sleeping unconscious, you know, which is... I'm sure intentional like <laughs> on God's part. But it's all of these little in-between moments. Like me being a CEO or writing a book is might be one very small part of my life, but I'm gonna spend most of my life doing boring regular yeah. things. So wow. I think that's helpful. That's one thing that's helpful for me. And then this idea, this comes from, from Mako Fujimura, but just like cultivating and making. If God is an artist and a creator, then we are made in his image to be creative and this idea of like doing things out of that abundance and overflow so cooking baking gardening art could be like spreadsheets and budgets woodworking fixing cars writing music playing like I think these things are are essential in their extraness. you mm. know like they are they are extra, yeah. you know, and we kind of put them on the outside of like, oh, this isn't top of my priority list, but right. life without those things is just not great. Yeah. And, and God knows that we need those things. Um, and so part of abiding, I think, is just imitating God's love of doing things for others so we can, you know, if you like to bake, then you bake for somebody else and you bring them a cake or if yeah. you arrange flowers, then you give them to somebody else. Mm.
2: Yeah, Psalm, Psalm 24 comes to mind when it just says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Yeah. And it really does all point, it points us back to him at, at every point and direction.
1: Yeah, and it's like this question of like, well, why do we do that? Just because we can. Right. Because why does God do things? Just because he can. Right. You know, and it, it does go back to that idea of doing things that are slow, like baking takes time. right? You know, like gardening takes a really long time to <laughs> see what you've planted. And so it really is this ideal opportunity for us to abide if we're doing activities that are just slow and we can't rush through them. But in order to get the good and beautiful thing, like we have to wait and we get to use that time to be with God. And then I think kind of the last thing is just paying attention to God's generosity around us. You know, God gives out of abundance, you know. And so for me, that's, nature you know the community that I've been given just the way that God has provided things in my life and he provides space to rest and relax and that idea of like all good things are from God so if I'm walking through my life like anything good that happened today is God like leaving this little breadcrumb trail to himself of like yeah
2: I like that I love
1: you I love you
2: I love you here you go I love you I know you and I love you
1: I see you. I see what you need. Yeah. You know, and most days, like I'll, I'll acknowledge. I just walk through life, and I get to the end, and I'm like, "Well, I made it," and I'm going to sleep. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if I can really slow down and pay attention to those things, then it's very easy for me to know that God loves me. Like that's when I get to remember that I see the evidence of it because He's telling me all the time, and right. I'm just ignorant and blind to. What he's doing. And the phrase that comes to mind, this is another Gen Z thing. It's this idea of like, go touch grass, you know? (laughs) And do what? What Go go touch grass. Um, So it's like, you know, if you're talking to someone and they are dating and they're like, oh, but he hasn't talked to me. And I've like checked his (laughs) messages a million times. And like, do you think he's trying to say this? Do you think he's trying to say that? And you would say, hey, you just need to go touch grass. And that generation is using it for something else. But I think it's a helpful reminder <laughs> for me right. of like when I am anxious. Get and outside I'm of yourself. Trying to think about my future and I'm trying to figure it all out. I'm, you know, I'm just like, girl, you got to go touch grass, yeah. you know, be outside, take a break from your head and just see what God is already doing for you. And then you don't have to fill
0: in that space mm-hmm. for
2: yourself. Maybe that's the... Subtitle of the podcast. Go touch grass. Go touch
1: touch some grass, guys.
0: Do something different than what you are accustomed to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. Good stuff. But I think the other thing that strikes me is in my job over the past three and a half years as I have gotten to like just interview some of our best leaders and our most faithful members, like the ones who have the deepest level of contentment and abiding have this beauty of Christ held in front of them all the time you know so and it looks a lot of different ways like i've talked to people who have quit their jobs because they felt like god was calling them to they refused promotions they have said no to optimizing so maybe their kid doesn't need to play that sport or maybe they you know don't need to take that opportunity that's going to fill up their family time they're intentionally creating space whether that's in their home or in their schedule for fun with their community, like not just another Bible study, but let's just like enjoy each other's presence. Um, Let's have fun as a family, Um, fun with your roommates, you know, gratitude. Um, Like I've just talked with people who are in some of the deepest, darkest parts of their lives and they're still grateful. And I'm on the other side of the camera thinking like, how, how are you doing this? Mm. Um, But I think it's just because the beauty of Christ is so real for them. Mm. Um, people who delight in using their gifts for others, people who are unbelievably generous and they are living a hidden life in Christ cuz they don't want to tell me about it, right. you know. And they're right. like, "Hey, I'm going to tell you this, but please don't put it in the video." I'm <laughs> like, "But this is awesome. This is really great." You know, and and none of those people are denying a broken reality. Um, but I think they believe that the reality of new creation, the reality of the resurrection of Christ, and what a beautiful truth that is. Like, they're just like, we're going to go ahead and start enjoying that. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. Like, there's a lot to be grateful for and to enjoy now, alongside the brokenness of the world, and those things go together. And so I think, like, something that stuck with me that somebody told me in a video years ago is just like, what if our existence here on earth has far more to do with what God wants to give us than what he wants from us.
0: Thank you so much, Whitney. That was encouraging. Scott, I think just to help us wrap all this in a bud, like what's the biggest takeaway for our folks?
2: Yeah. And we, I mean, we really intentionally wanted to give the last third of the podcast to some very specific applications. Um, We don't want to get lost in the the biblical text or the theological um, meaning behind it. So hopefully that was helpful. I'll, I'll close with, I'll give you a fear and I'll give you a prayer. All right? Is that fair? Mm-hmm. So um, biggest takeaway, our, our fear, I'll just say for me personally, is that I don't want to look back on my life and realize that I had done a bunch of the right, air quote, things, mm-hmm. a bunch of good things, and had done them without Jesus. Yeah. And my fear is that I won't fully understand or realize the present benefits that I have in Christ And I'll spend time chasing fruit to either try to achieve or maintain something that I had all along. Mm. Like that's, that's my biggest fear. And so, so then my biggest prayer is that uh, I love Ephesians one. And so I'm just going to repeat what Paul says. And I love this imagery. He says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light. So they would be illuminated and the heart is is your mind. It's your emotions. It's your will. It's it's everything biblically. So, will your heart be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that He has given to those who He has called? Who is He called? His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance, and that's us. And so, I pray that we would practice our identity in Christ, that we would come to know what the Bible really does say about us. And we wouldn't just know it in our head, but we would believe it and then we would live it out. And one of the ways that we live it out is that we're able to rest in Christ's righteousness, in our union with Christ and, and see our lives as being hidden in his, that, that Galatians 2.20 passage. And, and so this is what happens. When that happens, then I can enjoy God And I pursue holiness. He has given us things to do. There is commandments to fulfill. There is obedience. This is not separate from that. But I have to do it in his strength because apart from him, I can't do anything. And so enjoy God, pursue holiness, and then just love and show God's grace off to others. Mm. Just I, I mean, he's given me his grace, as Whitney was talking about, and I can go spend it on other people and just show him off to everybody. But I can only do that if I'm resting in who I am first and not trying to prove something. Yeah,
0: That's good. Well, this has been a great conversation, and I want to thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you guys for sharing. This has been so good. If you have questions or you want access to additional resources, be sure to check out our podcast page located in the show notes. I want to thank you for joining us, and I don't know, Whitney, if you'd be willing to just pray us out. That would be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we are just grateful um, that you would present yourself as a God who condescends to be enjoyed because that's not something that you had to do, but that was something that you offered up to us through Christ, Um, that you would make yourself accessible for a relationship, that that's what you created us for initially. And God, like I just messed that up, you know, with my own sin, with my own brokenness. And so I'm just unbelievably humbled and grateful that I just get to have a relationship with you. Um, And God, that on my worst days that you still show up and that you still delight in me and you look into my soul and you tell me you are okay, you're good, I'm good with you. Um, And that I get to go live a life of freedom and abundance enjoying the beautiful things that you have made for me um, and that I get to participate in your creation Um, and use that to live a life of love back to you and that that would drive my love for others as well. God, thank you for the work that you have given me to do and just pray for all of us that we would be able to do it well, that we would be able to pursue obedience that is fueled by our love for you and fueled by our belief that you truly deeply love us and pursue us as well. So God, I just pray for all of us who may be listening, um, that we would just feel a little bit lighter, that we would feel less pressure to go make our lives happen, to make ourselves something important, um, and significant, but that we would, um, truly just be able to rest in the identity um, and the significance that you've already given to us, the approval that you've already given to us, and that that would make us compelling people, that um, it would make us a people who overflow with generosity and abundance and goodness, and that we would live our lives abiding in your presence, that we would just remain in you, um, and that that would give us true freedom to be your people. God, we're just thankful for this time Um, and pray that you would be with us as we go now. Amen.
0: Amen.